Hello, and welcome to the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. I'm your reader, Bill Petrosky. In local news headlines, Dubuque MLK event speaker highlights role of self-exploration in bridging racial divides. Story by Eric Hogstrom, Eric Hogstrom at thmedia.com. Antonio Mozan told more than 280 people Monday morning that Americans must embark on a journey before building bridges across racial divides, let alone crossing those, those bridges. In order to make true connections, we must first understand who we are and where we come from, he said. Muzan, a professor of personal empowerment at the University of Dubuque, provided the keynote address at the annual Martin Luther King Jr. birthday celebration in Dubuque. The event, hosted by Faces and Voices, was held at Grand River Center. The event had been held virtually for the previous two years due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Anderson Zancy, a member of the Dubuque Community School Board and Dubuque Black Men Coalition, said he was thrilled that the annual event was again held in person. We're human beings, and I think we need to be together, connecting with one another, especially on a day like this, Zancy said. It's a great opportunity for us to get back together and try to figure out how to move forward on Dr. King's dream and our community's dream. Muzan, who is black, spoke about encountering racism for the first time as a seven-year-old in Texas, when his friendship with a white seven-year-old abruptly ended following a racial outburst by the companion's father. Muzan said the encounter is not unique to the black experience. There is much work to be done in America, he said. Mazan said, addressing America's racial divide and progressing along the path toward equity and social justice requires making personal connections with people of different races. Making connections requires individual self-examination, he said. We must explore the roots of who we are before we can enjoy the fruits we bear, he said. We need to understand how our identities must may be oppressive to other identities, but we can't understand that without the self-awareness of who we are and where we come from. That self-awareness is key to us really being in an equal community with one another. Ronald Jones III, a graduate student at Clark University, said Muzan's discussion of connections resonated with him. It's hard to make a connection between different races, but that's a first step towards social justice, Jones said. Muzan said one lesson of the pandemic was learning how to function in uncomfortable situations. Self-examination as a pathway to racial understanding also can prove uncomfortable. I want to challenge everyone to go down that very vulnerable, uncertain journey so that we can ultimately understand our position and our biases, he said. It requires a level of humility that, that people are unfamiliar with, and I think if we can tap into the courage to take that journey, it will do us much good for justice and an equitable world. The event included spoken word performances by Ayala Harion and Ricar Mans and songs by the University of Dubuque Alumni Gospel Choir. Mayor Brad Kavanaugh said the celebration is among the community's most important events of the year, particularly since people can gather and discuss Dr. King's work and legacy. We need to have these discussions on a community-wide basis on really difficult topics, he said. Martin Luther King Jr. contest entries honored. Some 38 students were honored Sunday at a ceremony held by the Dubuque branch of the NAC, NAACP for contest entries which included essays, artwork, poems, and online displays related to King and other figures 
on or topics associated with civil rights movement. Enters, winners included elementary school, first grade, Ben Leach, Bryan Elementary School, second grade, Leah C.A., Prescott Elementary School, third grade, Evie Davis, Clara Fry, both Bryant, fourth grade, Myra Williams, Prescott, fifth grade, Johanna McCready, Prescott. And there were a number of other, many other winners as well. Judge orders separate murder gun possession trials for man accused of Dubuque's shooting. A judge has ordered a man accused of shooting and killing another man in Dubuque can have separate trials for his murder and gun possession charges. Kiwani D. Evans, 31, of Freeport, Illinois, is charged in Iowa District Court of Dubuque County with first-degree murder, first-degree robbery, and possession of a firearm by a felon. He has pleaded not guilty to the charges which stem from the fatal Judy shooting of Taewon M. Jackson, Jr., 20, of Dubuque. Evans' attorneys filed a motion in October to serve the possession of a firearm charge from the other two charges, arguing Evans would not get a fair trial for the murder charge if a jury knew he was a convicted felon. Iowa District Judge Michael Shubat recently granted the motion to serve, moved the motion to sever. Evidence that he is a felon would be extremely presidential, prejudicial, and raise significant concerns, the order states. In the grand schemes of things, this is a relatively small sacrifice to ensure Evans a fair trial on counts that could subject him to a life sentence. Evans' trial for the murder and robbery charges is set for July 11th and the trial for the charge of possession of a firearm by, by a felon is set for July 18th. Court documents state that police responded to the 1900 block of Central Avenue at about 7 p.m. June 4th. John Jackson was found on the ground with multiple gunshot wounds and taken to Mercy One to be Medical Center where he was pronounced dead. Evans was attending a birthday party in that area with family members. Documents state that before that a witness reported he saw Evans come up behind Jackson Jr. and shoot him with a handgun in the back of the head and then again in the face. Police obtained surveillance video which shows Evans shooting Jackson Jr. from behind him in the back of the head document state. Video also shows Evans shooting Jackson Jr. two more times while on the ground. The surveillance video also shows Evans rolling Jackson over and taking an item out of his pocket, which a witness reporter was a handgun document state. Evans was arrested about 12 hours after the shooting in the 2100 block of Holiday Drive. Here's information from some local law enforcement reports. And the Dubuque Police and Dubuque County Sheriff's Department reported, number one, Derek R. Wheeler, 33 of 2139 Central Avenue, number one, was arrested at 1.20 a.m. Monday in 3200 block of Hillcrest Road on a charge of domestic assault with injury and fourth-degree criminal mischief. Anthony T. Orcholsky, 34, of Cascade, Iowa, was arrested at 4.30 p.m. Sunday at his residence on a warrant charging possession of felony. Fen Shared Revenue EMS Top List of Concerns at Southwestern Wisconsin Listening Session. Story by Grace Nyland, thmedia.com. Lancaster, Wisconsin. Emergency services, infrastructure projects, and state funding for communities topped the list of resident priorities at a listening session held Monday by two Southwest Wisconsin lawmakers. Around 35 people joined Representative Travis Trenell, R. Cuba City, and State Senator Howard Mark Line, R. Spring Green at Schreiner Memorial Library in Lancaster. It was the fourth such session Mark Lane has held in his district since Wisconsin State Legislature began a session two weeks ago. 
Representatives from several local communities used the event to renew pleas for an increase in shared revenue. The funding the state allocates to provide local government services setting stagnating or declining funding over the past 10 years. Lancaster Mayor Stuart Harper said the issue has caused the city to make cuts to services and projects such as certain street improvements or equipment purchases for the local fire department. Shared revenue is a mess and we need to deal with it, Harper said. When it came up 30 years ago, it was a solution for tax relief for local property taxes and what has happened since is that local municipalities have been experiencing a death by 1,000 cuts. Mark Lean, who was co-chair of the legislature's Joint Finance Committee, said lawmakers have been working to address concerns around Chevron shared revenue for, quote, quite a while, end quote, adding that it is a complex issue worsened by a rural-urban divide among legislators. Quote, it's a big nut to crack, he said. We're working on that, and I'm hopeful. I'm not going to promise you anything, but I'm hopeful we can get something done here in the next few months where the budget process starts. Other attendees expressed concerns about staffing and financing issues for local emergency services department. They worried low staffing levels at volunteer departments could lead to future safety concerns and elongate response times during critical incidents. We're challenged with coming up with expenses for fire, EMS, and other emergency services, said Chuck Piper of Montfort, Wisconsin. Those are all very expensive services and can be challenging for smaller municipalities like Montfort. So any help the legislature could give us would be greatly appreciated. Bill Kloster of Platteville echoed those concerns and added that he would like to see financial support from the state for the new fire station in Platteville. The project received $7 million last year in federal funding, but costs have since increased, with most recent estimates putting the final total between $11 million and $16 million, depending on whether the city includes a basement. The cost of providing that much-needed service has grown for many reasons. Inflation one of them, Klosser said. It would be very helpful if the townships and the fire district could receive state assistance to help the fire district get what all that we need. Trinnell said it was unlikely the legislature could earmark funding specifically for the project, but expressed intent to work with the city on identifying potential grants and other existing funding sources. Plotville is not the only municipality in the state that needs to update their fire station, he said. We've been working with them for quite some time on this and will continue to do so. Case dismissed against man accused of threatening another with a gun in Dubuque. The case has been dismissed against a man accusing accused of threatening another man with a gun in Dubuque. Jamar D. Little, 21, of Davenport, Iowa, previously was charged in Iowa District Court of Dubuque County with assault while displaying a dangerous weapon, person ineligible to carry a dangerous weapon, and fourth-degree theft. Assistant Dubuque County Attorney Joshua Sims filed the motion for dismissal of Little's case. Insufficient evidence exists to prove these charges beyond a reasonable doubt, he said. The motion states, Court documents state that Little was accused of arguing with Jaquan L. Wilson, 33, of Dubuque. On June 19th, when Little started to become aggressive while holding a pistol belonging to Wilson in his hand. Police say, woman strikes another in head with bottle at Dubuque Bar. Police said a woman struck another woman in the head with, bottle, in the head with an empty bottle Sunday at a Dubuque Bar, causing a concussion. Marley M. Baston, 21 of 719 Peru Road, was arrested at 6.35 p.m. Sunday at her residence on a charge of assault while displaying a weapon. 
Court documents state that police responded at 3.49 p.m. Sunday to Sports First Pub, 2600 Central Avenue, to investigate a report of an assault that had occurred earlier in the day. Bar staff told police that Basson began yelling at another woman Sunday afternoon when both were patrons of the bar. Surveillance video shows that Basson moved close to the woman's face while holding an empty Mike's Hard Lemonade bottle in her hand. Baston briefly returned to her table before walking toward the woman. Once she was behind the woman, Baston is seen swinging the bottle and striking her on the back of the head, documents Steve. Officers later met with the woman and learned that she was treated and released from Unity Point Health Finley Hospital with a concussion due to the incident, documents state. Joe Davis Conservation Foundation to help protect Galena area property. Galena, Illinois. Joe Davis Conservation Foundation will protect a 68-acre property near Galena through a conservation easement donated by the property's owners. Rob Latusik and Brian McCormick, owners of the Bedford Hollow property, recently donated the easement to JDCF according to an online announcement. Latusik and McCormick will retain ownership of the property, but the easement allows JDCF to access the land to help protect it for conservation purposes. The property contains prairie, forests, streams, and farm fields, along with an 1854 limestone farmhouse that is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The announcement notes that the Tusick and McCormick also donated a preservation easements to Landmarks Illinois, a Chicago-based nonprofit that protects historic structures throughout the state. The easement will protect the farmhouse, which Lutusik and McCormick spent five years restoring. JDCF Executive Director Steve Bard said the easements remain with the deed of the property in perpetuity, even if its current owners sell it. A conservation easement is a permanent way to put land in conservation that doesn't involve a financial transaction or a deed transaction, he said. Cuba City Police Fundraising for a Bullet-Resistant Canine Vest Dateline Cuba City, Wisconsin. The Cuba City Police Department is fundraising to purchase a bullet-resistant vest for its new canine, Thor. Thor went through training last year and was certified December 28th. He officially will join the force soon, where he will be used in narcotic cases, area searches, and suspect pursuits. The department seeks to raise $2,480 in collaboration with keeping canines and Kevlar to purchase Thor a bullet resistance vest. The vest protects dogs from stabbing, shrapnel, and bullets, as well as barbed wire fences and other environmental hazards. Donations can be made online or by check sent to Keeping Canines and Kevlar, 3901 Airport Way, Bellingham, Washington, 98226 with Quote, Vest for Cuba City's Canine Thor in the memo line. Updates will be shared on Keeping Canines and Kevlar's Facebook page, and any funds raised in excess of the 2480 goal will roll over to the next canine in need. Wisconsin-based co-op reports record net income sales. Dayline Lancaster, Wisconsin, a farm and consumer supply cooperative with facilities in southwest Wisconsin, reported net income and sales in 2022. Officials for Premier Cooperative reported solid performance for the year, including a net income of 
$1.8 million and sales of $300 million. CEO Matt Severson said the Mount Hora-based business will return a record $5 million in cash to its members in 2023. Severson said Premier did image upgrades to its convenience stores in Mount Horeb and Westby as part of the cooperative's improvement programs for 2022. Premier also is in the process of production expansion, projects for its feed manufacturing facilities in Mineral Point and Westby, warehouse space at its Lancaster Center, and new agronomy location in Cuba City. The cooperative's 130th annual meeting will be held January 18th at Wisconsin Riverside, Resort in Spring Green. Clayton County prepares for a 911 upgrade. Dateline Elkater, Iowa. Clayton County supervisors recently approved an upgrade to the county's 911 radio system. The project includes replacement of radios, pagers, and additional infrastructure such as radio towers, according to Samantha Rumpf, Clayton County 911 coordinator. The total cost of the project is estimated at no more than $8 million. A bond hearing tentatively is scheduled for January 24th. Rump said the bond consideration will not go to a public vote because the project falls under the essential county purpose bond category. Graduate Northern Illinois University, DeKalb, Illinois, Fall 2022, Stockton, Illinois, Haley Brody. This is from the Dean's List at Loris College in Dubuque, Fall 2022. East Dubuque, Allison Berryman, Matthew Foote, William Kiefer, Logan Kipper, Hannah McDermott, Amanda Soat, Caitlin Strausser, and Ben Trussell. Galena, Zachary Erler, and Samantha Stoffegren, Iowa, Asbury, Isabella Edminster, Mark Flynn, Thomas Flynn, Daniel Mon. Montaccio, and Ellie Osterberger. Bellevue, Tiona Richmond, Zachary Roeder, Lauren Severdine, and Maura Tracy. Bernard, Nora Noonan, Cascade, Brett Bauer, Jack Carr, and Vanessa Curry. Dubuque, Andrew Baston, Benjamin Boffman, Sarah Ball, and many others from Dyersville, Epworth, Garnavillo, Greeley, Makokota, Marquette, and other cities in Iowa and Wisconsin. Variety of genres. Formats proved popular for local libraries in 2022. Story by Elizabeth Kelsey, thmedia.com. After several years of watching digital checkouts rise at the Galena, Illinois Public Library, Director Jenna Diedrich was surprised to see that trend reverse last year. The library's physical checkouts increased by 1,760 in 22 as compared to 2021, while digital drop checkouts dropped by 1,110. We really expanded our digital resources during the pandemic shutdown, and so those checkouts went up, she said. It's interesting to see it go back to its pre-COVID model, and it's really been lovely seeing more of our community in the building. Among various libraries, Galena's 2020 trend was something of an anomaly. Demand for digital content last year was once again high at Dubuque's Carnegie Stout Public Library and Dubuque County Library District. At the latter, Director Amanda Vasquez wrote in an email to the Telegraph Herald that the library's combined e-audio and e-book loans were up 15% for July to December 22 as compared to the same period in 2021. 
Graphic novels remain popular among Tri-State readers, with all five of the most checked out children's books at Galena Public Library falling into that category. Carnegie Stout and Platteville, Wisconsin Public Library also had mostly graphic novels on the top of their children's checkouts and at Carnegie Stout. The complete Calvin and Hobbes anthology topped the list of adult nonfiction checkouts. I think part of what puts it at the top is that it's four volumes, so when somebody checks them out, they end up checking out all four, said Adult Services Librarian Brent Eagle, noting that other top picks on the adult nonfiction side emphasize black history, self-care, and indigenous knowledge. For adult fiction, he said thrillers are popular, including local author Heather Gutenkoff's latest offering, The Overnight Guest, which also topped the list at the Butte County Library District. Author Colleen Hoover notched two of Carnegie South's top five adult fiction slots, which Eagle said was largely due to her popularity on Book Talk, a sub-community on the TikTok social media app where users discuss literature and reading recommendations. At Platteville Public Library, Patron Services Manager Karina Zaiden was very surprised not to see any of Hoover's books on the top list of adult fiction checkouts, which was dominated by best-selling authors such as Il- Il- Ellen Hildebrand, John Grisham, and Lee Child. All of Hoover's titles, new and old, have been in constant demands during 2022, and we rarely have any of her books on our shelves, she wrote in an email to the TH. Among DVD checkout, the films of House of Gucci and No Time to Die appeared on local, multiple local libraries lists with television series Yellowstone, a children's star show, show Paw Patrol also making their mark. Beyond books and movies, Eagle said popular checkout requests at Carnegie Stout include the library's hiking and nature kits, video games, and even ukuleles. Diedrich said one of the Galeen Library's most popular in-demand new offerings in 2022 were city pool passes, which patrons could keep for three days at a time. We started off with four passes and immediately recognized we needed more, so we increased to eight. This summer, we're probably looking at 15 to 20 pool passes. BizBuzz, Dubuque Cosmetics, Store Moves, Wine Boutique Coming to Southwest Wisconsin. Dubuque Woman Teaches Self-Defense Kicks Boxing. Story by Keely Reese, thmedia.com. BizBuzz shares business tidbits from across the tri-state area. This edition highlights developments in Dubuque and Cassville, Wisconsin. A longtime Dubuque Cosmetics studio and boutique has moved to a new location. Merle Norman Cosmetics and Boutique is now at 806 Wacker Drive, Suite 138 next to Copyworks. Owner Angie Crosby Williams said she held a soft opening on Thursday. I want to build relationships with my clients and make people feel beautiful, she said. It's not a job if you love what you do. Merle Norman Cosmetics started nearly 92 years ago and now has more than 1,100 studios in the U.S. and Canada, according to the company's website. Crosby Williams said she opened the Dubuque location 16 years ago in Kennedy Mall. She decided to move the studio after being told in August that mall officials needed the Merle Norman location for a new store coming to that facility. Mall officials were willing to relocate me, but I decided it was time to move, she said. All my clients are excited that they can pull right up and walk into the store. 
Kennedy Mall spokesman Joe Bell said he could not yet share details about the new store because the deal with the retailer is being finalized. We're going to be taking that former Norman, Merle Norman space to accommodate a new, larger tenant that's coming, he said. Crosby Williams said she has always liked the Wicker Plaza area and she took advantage of the space when it came up for rent. The studio's main focus is makeup, all of which is made in the U.S. The studio also carries 10 different skincare lines and does makeup for many weddings, Crosby Williams said. The business also provides piercings. Crosby Williams said she typically does more than 70 ear piercings per month. The location also sells jewelry and clothing, including can-can jeans that Crosby Williams said are new to the store. All of our customers are super excited, she said. They love the new location. Dubuque's Merle Norman can be found online at MerleNormanStudio.com, i.e. Dubuque slash MN9457, and on Facebook at Facebook, Merle Norman Cosmetics Dubuque. The studio's hours are 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Tuesday through Friday and 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday. For Sunday and Monday hours, check online. Wine Boutique coming to Southwest Wisconsin. A wine boutique will open in Cashville in the coming months. The neighborhood slush will open at 103 West Amelia Street across the street from Cashville Municipal Building. Owner Carrie Wonderland said the business will open in the spring, hopefully in April. I'm on the whimsical side, so I wanted a place where people can have fun that's more lighthearted and a space that can reflect my own personality, she said. I'm looking forward to bringing in something that's different to Castle to help with tourism and give people a different spot to go on. Wonderland previously worked at a winery before deciding to create her own wine bar. She said she is looking for wines from small wineries around the U.S. and the globe for the boutique's wine and wine slushies. The business will also sell non-alcoholic wines. I want the wines to have a good story, like the family that grows the grapes that has a cool story, or it's a woman-owned operation, she said. I want to strike it up as a conversation. The wine boutique will also sell self-care items, Wonderland said, such as bath salts and candles, as well as jewelry and t-shirts. Wonderland said she's still working on finalizing the space's design, and she just painted the dark gray walls a light pink. I'm trying to make it a light boutique kind of feel, she said. Updates on progress on the neighborhood slush can be found on Facebook and on, and on Instagram, the neighborhood slush. Dubuque Woman teaches self-defense to empower others. A Dubuque woman is using her kickboxing and self-defense classes to teach people in Dubuque to empower themselves. Erica Cook owns Empowermental, a studio at 2223 Keyway Drive that is in the same business building as Three Willows Wellness Center. While she opened the studio in the summer of 2021, Cook is focused on continuing to grow and teach others the skills she found helpful in her own life. Technically, my interest in self-defense started back when my dad and my uncle got me involved in martial arts when I was in middle school, where I was getting severely bullied, she said. It was a little bit self-defense, a little bit of a confidence booster. When she attended University of Dubuque in 2002, she began teaching self-defense classes to fellow students. After graduating, she continued teaching classes at people's garages and other community spots. Cook said she decided to open a studio after speaking about self-defense at an event in 2021. Now she teaches kickboxing and self-defense classes, and another instructor teaches Zumba and Payo, a mix of Pilates and yoga.
I have taught people as young as six and as old as 70, Cook said. But the self-defense classes are broken up in age ranges just because a six-year-old can't do the same thing and needs to focus on different things that a 16-year-old does. In addition to the physical aspects of self-defense, Cook said she also teaches both the mental and vocal aspects. She also focuses on real-life situations, such as dealing with bullies or issues that might arise at parties. I enjoy it because I even refound my power that I have kind of forgotten I had, she said. I just love the kids that I have and adults, the adults, and see them realize that they do have that strength, even if somebody told them for years they didn't. More information on Power Mental, including information on classes, can be found at EmpowermentalDBQ.com or on Facebook at Facebook slash Empowermental Business Tips Sots. Do you have an interesting story or a news tip to share about a local business? Ideas can be shared with business reporter Kaylee Reese at Kaylee.Reese, K-A-Y-L-I dot R-E-E-S-E at THmedia.com or at by calling at 563-588-5673. You are welcome to post discussion items on the Dubuque Telegraph website. Uh, keep it clean. Avoid obscene, vulgar, lewd, racist, or sexually oriented language. Don't threaten. Threats of harming another person will not be tolerated. Be truthful. Don't knowingly lie about anyone or anything. And be nice. Thank you very much. You are listening to the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, January 17, 2023, on IRIS. The Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Now let's turn to today's obituaries. Laura L. Kretz, Dateline Bartlett, Illinois. Laura Lee Kretz, 53, of Bartlett, Illinois, passed away on January 9, 2023, at her home, surrounded by her family after a long battle with cancer. Laura was born in Dubuque on August 13, 1969. She graduated from Dubuque Senior High School in 1988. After that, she moved to the Chicagoland area where she lived out her life. Laura will always be remembered for her love of nature, amazing sense of humor, and her kind heart. She will be greatly missed by all her families and friends. She's survived by her mother, Ann Kretz, father, Larry Kretz, her brother, Thomas Kretz, and brother-in-law, Richard Holmes. She also left her behind her dog, Abby, whom she adored. There will be a celebration of Laura's life, on 28th of January at Calma's Restaurant and St. Donatus from noon to 5 p.m. with a luncheon buffet around 2. There will be a photo share board at both locations. If you have a special photo of her that you'd like to share with us, bring a copy and we'll post it. Countryside Funeral Home of Bartlett is assisting the family. David Scott, McGregor, Iowa. David Scott, 85, of McGregor, died Friday, January 13, 2023. Visitation will be held from 9 to 11 a.m. Saturday, January 21, at First Congregational Church in McGregor, where services will follow. An ornament will follow in Pleasant Grove Cemetery in McGregor. Thornburg Growl Funeral Home and Cremation Service of McGregor, Iowa, is assisting the family. Lee Horseman, Guttenberg, Iowa. Lee Horseman, 73, of Guttenberg, died Saturday, January 14, 2023. Visitation will be held from 4 to 7 p.m. Thursday, January 19th at Tukey 
Allen Funeral Home in Gutenberg, and from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. Friday, January 20th at St. John's Lutheran Church in Gutenberg, where services will follow. Interment will take place in the church cemetery. Timothy J. Odding, Cascade, Iowa. Timothy J. Odding, 71, of Cascade, died on Friday, January 13th, 2023. Visitation will be held from 9 to 11 a.m. Friday, January 20th at St. Martin's Catholic Church in Cascade. Arrangements are pending. Rife Funeral Home of Cascade is assisting the family. Shirley Vaught. Shirley S. Vaught, 70, of Guttenberg, died Friday, January 6, 2023. A celebration of life will be held from noon to 6 p.m. Saturday, February 11th at Promised Land Winery in Guttenberg. John Halden, Galena, Illinois. John Halden, 74, of Galena and formerly of Collinsville, died on Thursday, January 12, 2023. Arrangements are pending. Furlong Funeral Chapel of Galena is assisting the family. Lorna M. McLean. Lorna M. McLean, 94, died on Monday, January 16, 2023. Arrangements are pending. Hoffenschneider and Kitchen Funeral Home on Crematory, 3860 Asbury Road, is assisting the family. Loretta J. Lucy, East Dubuque, Illinois. Loretta J. Lucy, 81, of East Dubuque, died on Saturday, January 14, 2023. Arrangements are pending. Miller Funeral Home of East Dubuque is assisting the family. Susan Kiefer, 85, of Dubuque, died on Monday, January 16, 2023. Arrangements are pending. Miller Funeral Home of East Dubuque, Illinois, is assisting the family. Terry Routley, Round Rock, Texas. Known by her warm, loving smile, Terry Lee Sanderson Routley was a person who could make friends a bear with a bear. Anyone Terry never met remained a stranger. Terry Routley left this world early Wednesday morning on December 7, 2022. The world feels empty without her presence and joy she exuded, but Terry left legacy, many, and sharing the love of God with them. Terry was born to Gordon Sanderson and Rebecca Curd Sanderson on January 17, 1946, in Detroit, Michigan. Both parents preceded her in death. She's survived by her husband of 55 years, Lowell Routley. She's also survived by her sister, Sue Rucks, Don, daughters Ramona Routley and Paula Headley, son-in-law Dan and four grandchildren, and other relatives. She met Lowell at Greenville University in Greenville, Illinois. She earned a Bachelor of Arts in elementary education. She taught for four years before the birth of her first daughter, Ramona. After staying home to raise her daughters, Terry enjoyed working at William Brown Publishing, later McGraw-Hill, then Carlisle Publishing, as project editor of college textbooks. As Dubuque-based publishing changed, Terry moved on to banking as an employee of American Trust Bank. She once again had a work environment where caring smile eased a customer's stress. She retired in 2016 and moved to Austin, Texas. Nina, as her grandchild, kids called her, loved the move to Texas 2016 century. She could attend all their sports events and cheer them on. Cheering on her grandkids in whatever sport they were playing was the one time when soft-spoken Terry would scream at the top of her lungs. She loved Texas because it was warm compared to Iowa. On a family visit to Disney World with four grandchildren, she reluctantly rode with all the family on the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. However, Cherry's health journey of the past six months was an unchosen roller coaster ride that finally ended for Terry on December 7, 2022. She showed her loving nature and strong core values in raising two daughters. When Terry went home 
to be with the Lord on December 7th. Ramona, Paul, Paula, Dan, and Lowell took a few months to, moments to reflect on Terry's struggle of the last six months. The family held a praise and worship time thanking Terry's Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ramona and Paula sang in his time. Lowell hugged his daughters and expressed gratitude, prayed expressing gratitude for the God's gift of beautiful Terry as his life partner for 55 years. While the family choked on tears, those were quickly replaced by joy knowing Terry is free from her physical suffering. A celebration of life. Well, service will be held for Terry in Dubuque, Iowa, January 21, 2023 at 1 p.m. Reception to follow. Hope Church, 11893 John F. Kennedy Road, Dubuque, Iowa, 52001. Please join us in celebrating the life of this amazing woman, Terry Rowley. To leave in a memorial, go to this URL, https slash colon everloved.com, life of Terry Lee Rowley obituary. Shirley Wagner, Shirley K. Wagner, 82, do you passed away Saturday, January 14, 2022, at home. Visitation will take B from 3 to 7 p.m. Tuesday, January 17th at Eagle Cough, Seeger and Casper Funeral Home and Crematory, 2659 John F. Kennedy Road, Dubuque. Services will be at 10.30 a.m. Wednesday, January 18th, at Eaglehoff Secret and Casper Funeral. Reverend Crystal Dunlap Weber will officiate. Interment will be in Asbury Cemetery. Kay was born April 27, 1940, in Waterloo, Iowa. She married Ronald D. Wagner in 1959 at Center Grove Methodist Church, Dubuque. He preceded her in death in 2005. Kay was a member of Center Grove United Methodist Church. Ron and Kay operated Wagner Nursery for many years. Her passion was being out in the sales yard, chatting with customers, weeding and taking care of the grounds. Kay cared for the plants at Dupeco and Dutrac Credit Unions. Kay loves spending time outdoors with her grandkids camping, fishing, moral hunting, knitting, gardening, and feeding the wild animals and birds. She gave her heart and soul to her family and foster children. She is survived by her children, great grandchildren, great-grandchildren, her sister, special niece, and other relatives. In addition to her husband, she was preceded in death by her parents, Don and Dora Keyes, Vernatitis, a sister at birth, Elsie Titus, her brother, Melvin, Diane Titus, and her pets. The family would like to extend a special thanks to all the family and friends for their care and support of Kay. No place like home, hospice of Dubuque, especially Chris, and especially uh, Sarah, Dr. Kao and his nurse Melissa, and to Tina and Nicole. Carl W. Bircham, Princeton, Illinois. Carl William Bill Bircham, 79, of Princeton, Illinois, and formerly of East Dubuque, Illinois, died Wednesday, January 4, 2023, at 1.15 p.m. at OSF Heart of Mary Medical Center in Urbana due to respiratory and cardiac failure. Carl was born on June 19, 1943, to Ruth Radcliffe Hall, Sheffield, Illinois, and his birth father. Carl worked as a painter and machine operator at John Deere of Dubuque until he retired after 30, 1998 after 33 years of service. He was a dedicated, extremely hardworking, and proud John Deere employee. After retirement, Carl and Nancy moved to Oregon, Wisconsin, and then to Princeton, a town close to the family and close to where Carl and Nancy grew up. Carl married Nancy Jo Sipes on June 30, 
1961. Together, they shared five awesome children. Carl's large family also included grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and one great-grandchild, brothers, sisters, nieces, and other family members. He was survived by his wife, Nancy, sons, Kevin and Terry, daughters, Vicki and Melissa, two brothers, Donald, Laurel Burcham, and John Burcham, four sisters, Linda, Gary Reed, Norma Hoadley, Kathy Mercer, and Christy Ackerman. He was preceded in death by those who left too soon, including his son, Jeff, and granddaughter, Courtney Mae Burcham, his parents, Ruth and Hap Hall, sister, Roma, Ronnie Hall, and many family and friends. Carl's wishes were to be cremated with no service. However, there will be a life celebration on June 2023 on a day close to his 80th birthday. The family would like to thank the caring ICU staff at OSF Heart of Mary for the wonderful work Carrie received in his final hours. We'd also like to thank the emergency room staff and hospital staff at OSF St. Clair, where my father was a frequent flyer. The 9-11 crew always treated him with respect and kindness. His numerous doctors, hospital staff, also his son. Terry was at his beck and call for the last year and a half at all his family, and friends who blessed his life. Mark McGovern, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Father Mark McGovern, age 81, of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, died Wednesday, January 11, 2023, at Stonehill Communities in Dubuque, Iowa. He was born March 4, 1941, in Whitmore, Iowa, to Joseph Francis and Alice Verona Weisbrod McGovern. He graduated from Riceville High School in 1959, attended Loris College and Mount St. Bernard Seminary. In 1967, he was ordained at the Cathedral of St. Raphael in Dubuque. Mark served in several parishes throughout the Dubuque Diocese and also taught religion at Ocean de Sales and Cresco Notre Dame High School. He received his Ph.D. in philosophy in 1982 from St. Louis University and taught at Rockhurst University in St. Kansas City, Missouri. Mark had a love for music. At family gatherings, he always entertained with his perfect pitch, singing while playing his guitar. Besides being a member of a barbershop quartet, he loved flying his airplane, riding his motorcycle, canoeing, and especially playing games and cards with nieces and nephews. He also enjoyed relaxing at a cabin he himself built next to a river near Cascade, Iowa. He survived by his brothers, Mike, Jim, Kathy, Terry, Janet, and sisters Joan Dick Britton, Mary Dick Whitaker, Ruth DeMarco, Mark De, Marco DeMarco, Maheiser, and Colleen Frank Fortney, McGovern, brother-in-law Dick Lukretz, 40 nieces and nephews. He was preceded in death by his parents, Joan Verona McGovern, sisters Kathy Lukretz and Jan, Jane McKernan, brother and sister-in-law Art and Barb McGovern, and sister-in-law Betty McGovern. Mass at Christian Burial. At 11 a.m. Friday, January 27, 2023, at Immaculate Conception Catholic Church at Riceville, Iowa, with the Archbishop Michael Jackals presiding and Father Daniel Knipper homilus. Burial will be in the Calvary Cemetery, Riceville, Iowa. Visitation will be held from 5 to 7 p.m. Thursday, January 26th at Hudek Funeral Home with a Scripture Wake service at 7 p.m. Visitation will continue on Friday at the church beginning at 10 a.m. Rita M. Arlen. Rita M. Arlen, 94, of Dubuque, died Sunday, January 15, 2023, at her son's home in Zwingle. Visitations will be from 9 a.m. to 10.45 a.m. Wednesday, January 18, 2023, at Holy Spirit Parish, Sacred Heart Church, Catholic Church. The Mass of Christian Burial for 
Reader will be 11 a.m. Wednesday, January 18, 2023 at Holy Spirit Parish, Sacred Heart Catholic Church with Father Stephen Garner as Sullivan. Entombment will be at Mount Calvary Cemetery in Dubuque. Reader was born March 28, 1928 in Dubuque, Iowa, the daughter of Jacob and Elizabeth Vernon Lake. She was a 1946 graduate of Immaculate Conception High School. She worked for the telephone company and then for Loris College in housekeeping for 13 years. She was a member of Holy Spirit Sacred Heart Catholic Church. She enjoyed making doll clothing for craft fairs, reading books, playing cards, especially canasta, puzzles, traveling mostly to Texas and California, and going to casinos. Survivors include Stephen Ruth Arlen Zwingle, uh, Arlen of Zwingle, Iowa, Michael Arlen of Dubuque, Richard Rachel Arlen of San Jacinto, Jacinto California, six daughters, Leanne Arlen of Dubuque, Kay Hawkins of Anaheim, California, Diane Eric Holler of Ontario, California, Lori Terry Wearspan of Cheryl, Iowa, Jean Arlen of Bullhead, Arizona, Karen Dean Gall of Epworth, Iowa, 15 grandchildren, 16 great-grandchildren, several nieces and nephews. She was preceded in death by her parents, one granddaughter, Jessica Collar, two sisters, Lorraine Richard Shireman, and Marion Francis Brocious, and one brother, Robert Link. The family would like to thank the team at Hospice of Duke, especially Buffy, Nicole, and Sarah, for their special care. A memorial has been established. Hoffenschneider Kitchen Funeral Home and Crematory is in charge of the arrangements. A photo tribute can be viewed and condolences sent to the family by visiting Rich's obituary at www.hskfhcares.com. Karen M. Klein, Dayline, Minneapolis. Karen Marie Klein, 69, passed away peacefully at her home in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She was born September 22, 1953, in Dubuque, Iowa, the daughter of Emery. Jim Klein and Edith Sullivan Klein. She graduated from Wallard High School and then St. Teresa's College in Monona, Minnesota with a BA in music education. She moved to Minnesota in 1979 and had a career in computer applications, working for National Car, then EDS. She was a very intelligent person with a witty personality and loved, was loved by all new, that knew her. She enjoyed reading needle arts and singing karaoke. Private family services will be held at Mount Calvary Cemetery, Dubuque. She's survived by her mother, Edith Klein of Dubuque, sister, Cheryl Batten of Rock Falls, Illinois, sister, Christy Ellis of Dubuque, nieces, Deanne Matt Chapman, DeKalb, Illinois, Candace Jeremy Douglas, Newton, Iowa, nephews, Sean Niana, Dubuque, and Brett Miana, Newton, Iowa, four great nieces, one great nephew, and one great, great niece. She was preceded in death by her father, Emery Jim Klein, born in brother in infancy, great nephew Alex Miana, and brother in law Robert Batten. Irma M. Williamson, Eastman, Wisconsin. Irma M. Williamson, 105 years old, of Eastman, died on Sunday, January 15, 2023. Visitation will be held from 10 a.m. to noon, Saturday, January 1, 21, at St. Peter Evangelical Lutheran Church in Prairie du Chien, where services will follow. Burial will follow in the Evergreen Cemetery in Prairie du Chien. Thornburg Graal Funeral Home and Cremation Service of Prairie du Chien is assisting family. Mary Kay Fitzpatrick, Mount Carroll, Illinois. Mary Kay Fitzpatrick, 84, of Mount Carroll and formerly of Elizabeth, died on Thursday, January 12, 2023. Visitation will be held from 10.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. January Friday, January 20th, at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Elizabeth, where a massive Christian burial will follow. 
Burial will follow in the church cemetery. Lodge's funeral home of Elizabeth is assisting the family. Esther M. Starman, Esther M. Starman, 99 of Dubuque, died on Saturday, January 14, 2023. Visitation will be held from 9 to 10.45 a.m. Monday, January 23rd at Holy Ghost Catholic Church, where a massive Christian burial will be followed at 11 a.m. Burial will take place in Mount Cavalry Cemetery. Hoffenschneider Kitchen Funeral Home and Cremation Service, 3860 Esbury Road, is assisting the family. Michelle M. Kniff Nemers. Michelle M. Kniff Nemers, 58 of Duke, died on Friday, January 13, 2023. Visitation will be held from 3 to 7 p.m. Thursday, January 19th at Leonard Funeral Home Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road. A massive Christian burial will take place at 10.30 a.m. Friday, January 20th at Church of the Resurrection. Here are some funeral services. Joyce B. Amon, Dubuque, Master Christian Burial, 10.30 a.m. today, Sacred Heart Church. Mary A. Alamond, Scotch Grove, Iowa, Master Christian Burial, 10.30 a.m. today, St. Patrick's Catholic Church, Anamosa. Shirley A. Allen, Piasta, Iowa, Master Christian Burial, 10.30 a.m. Friday, January 20th, St. Joseph's of the Worker Catholic Church. Vivian A. Allendorf, Schulzburg, Wisconsin. Visitation, 10 to 10.45 a.m. today, St. Matthew's Catholic Church Gymnasium, Schulzburg. Massive Christian Burial, 11 a.m. today at the gymnasium. Mark P. Brown, Woodman, Wisconsin. Visitation, 10 a.m. to noon Thursday, January 19th. Boscobel, Bowl, and Bank. Michael G. Burr. Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin, visitation 4 to 7 p.m. Thursday, January 19th, Garrity Funeral Home Chapel, Prairie du Chien. Bonnie M. DeSoto, Darsville, Iowa, visitation 9.30 to 11 a.m. today, St. Boniface Catholic Church, New Vienna. Mass of Christian Burial, 11 a.m. today at the church. Luciano A. Mendez Rodriguez, Cuba City, Wisconsin. Visitation, 4 to 8 p.m. Thursday, January 19th, and from 9 to 11 a.m. January 20th. Howden Shield Funeral Home and Cremation Service, Cuba City, Wisconsin. Service, 11 a.m. Friday at the funeral home. Franklin W. Miller, Jr., Dubuque. Visitation, 11 a.m. to noon today. St. Luke's Methodist Church. Service, noon today at the church. Paul G. Peckhouse. Dubuque, visitation 9 to 11 a.m. Saturday, January 21st at Raphael Cathedral. Massive Christian burial, 11 a.m. Saturday at the church. Marie M. Robbins, Galena, Illinois, visitation 10 to 10.45 a.m. Wednesday, January 18th, St. Rose of Lima, Catholic Church, Cuba City, Wisconsin. Massive Christian burial, 11 a.m. Wednesday at the church. Looking at other news, Manchester changes garbage recycling collection schedule. Manchester, Iowa. Manchester City Council members recently approved changes in residents' recycling garbage collection schedules. The changes were made at the request of Klusner Sanitation beginning February 1. Solid waste collection will occur only on Wednesday, eliminating the Thursday schedule for some residents. Additionally, pickup will begin at 6 a.m. instead of 7 a.m. It will begin at 6 a.m. instead of 7 a.m. Delaware County Foundation to hold annual meeting January 26th. Dayline, Manchester, Iowa. Greater Delaware County 
Community Foundation will hold its annual meeting at 4 p.m. January 26th in the Fellowship Hall of Manchester United Methodist Church, 413 East Butler Street. The event will include the awarding of the McGee, McGee Bar and Harlow Coon Grants. East Dubuque Library to host Illinois Extension Teen Cooking Program. East Dubuque, Illinois, Dateline. East Dubuque District Library next month will hold a free University of Illinois Extension Program intended to teach teens the basics of healthy cooking. Plentiful pantries will be held from 10.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Saturday, February 25th at the library, 122 Wisconsin Avenue in East Dubuque. Galena Library, local organizations to collaborate for event with Food Writer, Dateline Galena, Illinois. An upcoming Galena event will feature a four-course meal and discussion with an award-winning food writer. Savoring Winter, a feast will take place at 6 p.m. Saturday, January 28th at Galena Cellars, downtown 111 North Main Street. The event is a collaboration among Galena Cellars, Joe Davis Local Foods, and Galena Public Library District will be part of Galena Life Fest, Lit Fest 2023, an online event announcement states. At the dinner, James Beard Award-winning food writer Beth Dooley will deliver a keynote speech about her latest cookbook, The Perennial Cook Kitchen. Simple Recipes for a Healthy Future, which is centered on regenerative agriculture and sustainable growing practices. Attendees will also enjoy a special four-course selection of small bites showcasing local producers and wine pairings. Created by Galena Sellers Executive Chef Fernando Escalante in collaboration with Dooley, the announcement states. Local bookstore Galena Book and Paper will have copies of Dooley's book available for purchase, which Dooley will sign after her speech. Tickets are $55 per person and can be purchased at SaveringWinterEventBright.com or at the front desk of the Galena Public Library, 601 South Bend Street. Ticket sales will end Wednesday, January 18th. And that does it for today's reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. I'm your reader, Bill Petrosky. You can access a reading, a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org, anytime. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day.